everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. Do you really want to be like everybody else? Let's talk about on this week's episode of Journey at Home. Thanks for tuning in. I think there's something in all of us that wants to be like everybody else, but here's what I would get you to think about. Do you really want to be average? Because statistically speaking, if you're like everybody else, then you're average at best. I mean, was there ever a time in your life when you dreamt of shooting for average? Of course not. Where you thought, I'm going to shoot for having friends like everybody else. I want a dating like everybody else, a marriage, kids like everybody else. I think I want to manage my money and my morality like everybody else. Parents. Have you ever set your kids down and encouraged them to set a goal? Just be like everybody else, kid. You know, but the truth is, most of us really are just like everybody else. And you know what everybody else wants? Well, everybody else wants their life to look like a beer commercial. Think about it. They want to look good. They want to be surrounded by people who look good. They want sun to be shining. They want sunshine every day. They want the freedom to spend every afternoon and evening on the beach. They don't want to get old. And they want to have plenty of money and no worries and an endless supply of beer and smiles. That's what everybody's shooting for. But you don't need me to tell you that everybody else's lives don't actually look like beer commercials. No, they live their lives hoping happiness is around the next corner. Maybe it's the next job, the next relationship, the next kid. Everybody else is worried. Everybody else is in debt. They're discontent. They don't enjoy what they have because they're fixated on what they don't have. They're insecure, but they try to hide it. They're dysfunctional, but they blame their parents for it. They're bored. They're unfulfilled. They used to think life was taking them somewhere, but now it feels like life's a cul-de-sac. Everybody else drinks too much. They take too many pills. They feel alone. In the world of everybody else, every teenager really does care about other, what other people at their high school think about them. Parents are so intent on finding their identity and their kids' success, they drive their own kids away. In the world of everybody else, single women are afraid they're always going to be single. So they're willing to treat themselves and let other people treat them as less than valuable just so they can have some company around them. Single men aren't sure marriage is necessary because, let's be honest, you can get sex without getting married. And after all, they only want to marry the perfect woman who lets them do what they want to do when they want to do it. But they can't seem to find her. Isn't that strange? So they refuse to commit to any woman because... Who knows when a better woman might come along? In the world of everybody else, married women hope their husbands stay faithful, but they're afraid that their husbands are wishing they were with another woman. Or sometimes they're afraid they're actually with another woman. Meanwhile, married men are watching other guys get away with being with another woman, and they're wondering, well, could I get away with that too? This is what everybody else's life's like. And if you don't believe me, here's what y'all do. Drop a hundred bucks and sit down with a counselor in our region and just ask them what they hear from people. They will confirm it. Everybody else wants the beer commercial. They just can't figure out how to live it. So what is the secret? Well, maybe it's to hold the beer but never drink it because 
that's what happens in those commercials, isn't it? Have you ever noticed? But while that may be a step in the right direction for some of you, that's another talk for another day. The truth is, if you take your cues from everybody else, you're going to end up like everybody else. I mean, you're going to end up with an average life. What we see in everybody else's life, you know this, it's the highlight reels. But if we saw what was really happening behind the scenes, we wouldn't be so quick to copy it. If we saw what was going on inside of those people, we wouldn't be so attracted to what we saw on the outside of them. I mean, they may look happy on the outside, but you can't see the scars and the turmoil and the tension and the guilt that's rattling around inside. Some of you know this because what's your story? You did what we've been talking about in this series. You did what was right in your own eyes. You did what you wanted to do, when you wanted to do it, with whom you wanted to do it. But in doing what was right in your own eyes, you abandoned what you suspected was right in your own heart. And you ended up where you didn't want to be. You ended up like everybody else. So if that's you, and if you're wondering, well, how do I get my life back? I don't want to be like everybody else, but how do I change? How do I live a better life? Today, I want to show you the way back because your Heavenly Father has provided you with a way out. Now, to find that way out, I want to take you all the way back in ancient Jewish history to the time around 1380 B.C. Joshua, who led the Israelites to conquer the Canaanites and enter the Promised Land, he's about to die. And he explains to the people that they're going to live under God's authority. In other words, God's going to serve as their invisible king, but they're also going to have judges who help them understand and then stay in line with God's design for them. As we've been talking about in this series, during this 330-year span, when they tried to live without an earthly king, well, things didn't go so well. The 12 tribes, they're kind of like us. They didn't like being told what to do, so they would disobey God's laws, which would result in disaster, and the consequences would catch up with them because, come on, that's what consequences always do, don't they? And so then they would cry out for help, and they promised to change. God would send a deliverer who would straighten out their mess, you know, and get them on the right track again. Then after a little while, they'd get tired of being told what to do, and they'd go through the cycle all over again. Sound familiar? Sounds like some of our lives, doesn't it? And by the time we get to the end of this period with the Jewish people, the writer of Judges describes their culture this way. He says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everybody just made up their own rules, defined their own truth, decided for themselves what was right. But doing what was right in their own eyes individually, well, it eventually led to chaos collectively. It always does. And eventually, the very nations that the Jewish people try to copy, well, those nations capture them. So the Jewish people lose the freedom they want. Because when you choose to be your own king, you will end up with a king not of your liking. But all of it could have been avoided if they had just listened to Joshua. See, fortunately, he saw this coming. He knew that they were going to do what was right in their own eyes. He knew it was going to cost them their freedom. So he gives them this big speech just before he dies. And he offers some advice to them and to us. He shows us the way back and the way out when we're tired of living like everybody else. And the way back is a simple two-step process that any of us, including you, can do. Here's what Joshua says. He looks at him and he says, Now then, throw away all the foreign gods that are among you. This was his way of saying, throw away whatever you've allowed to master you. Throw away whatever little king you put on the throne of your life. You know, whatever it is in your life that's drawing you away from your good heavenly father who loves you. 
that's causing you to be like everybody else. Just get rid of it, let it go, walk away from it. Now, in a non-emotional setting, well, this makes logical sense. Of course, I should get rid of those spending habits because they're creating debt in my finances and they're creating greed in my heart. Of course, I should get rid of my anger. It's creating fractures in my relationships and turmoil in my heart. Okay, I'll get rid of my insecurity. I'll get rid of my sexual immorality. I'll get rid of my impurity. It's taking me somewhere I don't want to go. I mean, in a vacuum, this is so obvious. So why is it so hard to do? Why do we not want to let those things go? Well, there are two reasons. One, the things that we began doing as an expression of freedom, well, they really have stolen our freedom. They have mastered us. They control us. They're just not so easy to quit anymore. Some of you know this because you tried and it didn't work, did it? The other reason this is hard to do is because we are still tempted to believe the good life that's just around the next corner if we'll just keep running down that road. So whenever you choose to disregard what God says to do, listen, it's because you think God's keeping something from you. You're convinced life's going to be better doing it your way instead of his. And you'll never trust him enough to follow him until you reach the point where you really do believe he wants something for you. He is not trying to keep something from you. He's trying to help you, not keep you from happiness. So if you want the life God created you to live, if you don't want to be like everybody else, if you're looking for a way out, you've got to first decide to change. You've got to throw away what's been in your way. And then Joshua tells us this. He says, now then, throw away those foreign gods that are among you, and here's the second part, yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, this is big. Don't miss it. Joshua says, if you want your life back, you actually have to yield or surrender your life and your heart to your good Invisible king. Now, why would he talk about our heart? Well, because in the kingdom of God, change happens from the inside out. God is actually not interested in making you better at behavior modification. He's not trying to make you better at managing your actions so people don't see what's going on inside, managing your words so they don't hear what you really want to say. No, he's trying to change you on the inside, and then the outside will take care of itself. But he can't change what you won't give him. He can't change what you won't surrender. The reason some of you have tried to stop a habit, change a habit, start a habit, and you failed is because you focused on the outside behavior, not the inside desires. God starts his work inside, and he changes your desires first. So if you yield your heart to God, if you let him do what he wants to do there, then you'll find it becomes easier and easier to move in the direction that you want to go. You'll be transformed from the inside out. So, let me ask you a big question, and don't ignore this one. This is one that's worth wrestling with, okay? Have you yielded your heart to God? Have you said, God, I want you to do whatever work it takes to make my heart look like yours? Now, if you're thinking, well, yeah, Matt, I'm a Christian. You know, I believe in God. No, no, no. That's not actually what I'm asking. Is your heart yielded to God right now? Or are you chasing the freedom to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, with whom you want, and yielding to little kings that will ultimately lead to your own disliking? I want to invite you, whether it's the first time you've ever done this, or maybe it's the first time in a long time, to yield your heart to God right now. And to do that, I want to lead you in a prayer that King David wrote. You find it in Psalm 119, 
he penned this prayer. He said, direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. In other words, help change and transform my desires from the inside out. And then he wrote, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Most of us would have a lot more money and less debt if we did that one thing. He says, turn my eyes away from worth, worthless things and preserve my life according to your word. So, if you want to yield your heart, surrender your heart to your good heavenly father, would you join me in praying that prayer right now? And maybe this week, you just need to start every day praying it. Because when you yield your heart to your good king, you will get the life back that you've always been wanting. Let's pray together. Would you just tell God, God, I want you to direct me. I want you to guide me in the path of your commands and show me what you want me to do. Because I'm convinced there is where I'll find delight. There's where I'll find happiness. There's where I'll find life. So God, turn my heart towards your statutes, towards your principles, towards your point of view in life, and away from selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. And God, would you preserve my life according to your word? Father, thanks for offering grace and forgiveness when we fail with this. Would you guide us and lead us as we follow you? In Jesus' name. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Calway app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.